All right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Welcome to The Loyalist Connections. Established 1783. So today, uh, we're going to discuss and explore North Preston, Nova Scotia. Sean, what do we know about North Preston or up home? Well, up home, when it was first settled, it was known as the Prestons, which then covered East Preston, North Preston, Cherry Brook, and Lake Loon. North Preston is located in Halifax region, about 10 kilometers west of Dartmouth. From Yarmouth, it's over a three-hour drive and roughly four and a half hours from Sydney. Wow. So the area was settled first by the Black Loyalists. And as we know, the Black Loyalists arrived in 1783. We know they dispersed throughout the province, and Preston was one of the areas they settled. In addition to the Black Loyalists, North Preston saw the arrivals of the Maroons in 1796 and the Black Refugees of the War of 1812. North Preston has one of the oldest and largest Indigenous Black communities in Canada. Roughly 70% of the population is Black. The total population as of today is roughly 3,500 to 4,000 individuals. So we have interesting questions, I mean, as we're going along this journey, and what we try to uncover with every community is like why this area was settled. And to me, it's an interesting question. I think the theme of settlement runs parallel to other communities that we've discussed. They were promised land, but not the most cultivatable land. And given the time, we know that blacks and whites were not co-located. So I'd say they were offered that land to segregate them from the whites. Yeah, so from, I guess, the rest of the population. And what we do know about North Preston as well, too, is that we talked about those three waves of migration specifically as well. And North Preston was resettled a number of times. And in addition to the waves of migration, there was a period of influx of runaway slaves as well. Wow. And I mean, that's a theme that continually comes up, right? It's like funny. Slavery was here. The other theme is like the Caribbean connection. Like in this community, we see the Maroons from Jamaica. When 1796... Three ships arrived carrying men, women, and child with approximately 600 Maroons from Jamaica. The Maroons played a significant role in the construction of Citadel Hill and the government house, which is the resident of the lieutenant governor. That's right. So we know these migration patterns continue today as well. What's interesting as we continue along this journey is our connections with these communities. Absolutely. And... We've talked about this in our Meet the Host episode about trying to discover where our family lines actually end up in some of these communities. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about your connection to North Preston, Larice? So interestingly enough, my grandfather's father was raised in North Preston. He, at an older age, like later in life, moved to Halifax with his wife. And they became to be known the Overtown Downies. So that's my mother's father. So my mother's grandfather, my great-grandfather, connected to North Preston. And then my father's father, his mother's from North Preston. And interestingly enough, they're Downies. So I'm like, if I go back far enough, it's Downie. <laughs> You're not escaping the Downie connection. No, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty significant. Yeah. 
And when you stop and think about that, how, you know, when you start drawing those lines and how you're connected to those communities, pretty powerful, eh? Oh, absolutely. You know, so what's it, Downey Road? Downey Road. <laughs> so what about you? Like, like, tell me about your connection. I know we discussed this several times and it goes back to genealogy for you, right? Yeah. And what's interesting is I've always kind of said positioned my ancestry as black loyalist. <laughs> and what I found interesting on this part of this journey is that my father was always in my ear talking about where he was from, the black loyalists and so forth, which was really interesting until I had a conversation with my mother. <laughs> and she handed me the documents tracing her ancestry. And I saw 1816, Chesapeake Bay, Virginia. Settlement in the Prestons. So my mother's Prestons. maiden name is a Ross. Uh-huh. I'm fairly certain there's still some Rosses in the North Preston community. Absolutely. I also know as well that my mother has connections to Upper Hammond's Plains as mm-hmm. well, too. So that's my connection, which I'm still trying to figure out. So, I mean, this community it offers a lot. I mean, we just highlighted our connections and some of our interests, maybe, you know, in the future. Yeah. But... One of the things that is really paramount throughout this journey was community connections. It played a pillar in the black community. We understand that from our previous discussions. I wonder how community was defined in North Preston. Yeah, that's a good question, right? In all these communities, we see that central theme of the central gathering spots, close-knit. We've talked about families, extended families in that sense, being able to travel from house to house. Um, having somebody uh, watchful eye over you, so to speak. So it's been really interesting to see those themes popping up across each of these communities that we're looking at. Amazing. And we also know property was an issue. Property ownership, land title. I'm going to steal your words. Generational wealth. Oh, gone. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what like the land ownership, the title situation was or is in North Preston, because like you said, it's one of the oldest and largest black communities that stems from this era. Yeah, and I wonder in terms of systemic racism, how that impacted these communities in terms of how land was able to pass down. I wonder if there's any similarities between like when we looked at Beachville Mm -hmm. in that sense. Well, it's like the similarities, but usage, like you you mentioned, right? right? Like land usage. Land usage, which brings us to our next point, the Long Lake article which we're going to discuss with our special guest, Navelle Provo, in a few minutes. But one of the themes that has been discussed during our journey is access to land. And this article highlights some of the current issues that the community is facing related to land. Also, the article for us resonated in the sense of like employment opportunities for our ancestors. I go back to the, the Birchtown episode with Graham Nickerson and mm-hmm. talking about being on the water, being mariners and things of that nature. Well, there's an underlying tone in that article about kind of being free and back out onto the land, which is really interesting as well, too, land and water and exploring that. And I think one of the key things from that article to me is that always comes back to education, funding, career opportunities for underrepresented industries that we don't talk about all the time, specifically around ocean and water. Well, remember in a prior episode, we learned about naming conventions. How was Lake Loon named? It's right in the Preston community. 
how did that come about? That's right. Yeah, those are interesting things to consider as well, right? And now to introduce our special guest for this episode, Navelle Provo. Navelle, thanks for being here. And when we did this podcast, we talked about past, present, and future. Nice. And you're present. And I think it's really timely that we have somebody's perspective on here that's living it every day as mm-hmm. well, too, and seeing what the community looks like from your lens as mm-hmm. well, too. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're at. More, more of a modern day, you know, sort of, uh, you know, youthful, you know, perspective yep. on, you know, the communities for sure where where they've been where they're at and where they're going yeah right yeah. that future past and, and present perspective that sean was talking about mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. no i appreciate that for sure and i think you know that's one of my missions and and places i feel i strive is, is sharing that perspective going mm-hmm. into those meetings uh going into those town halls going into those places where you know youth my age wouldn't norm- normally go and you know, I feel like I'm a leader of the youth and bringing a lot of perspectives with me, mm-hmm. uh, sharing those stories, sharing those perspectives, sharing those visions that we have. As I feel a lot of times we get left behind. So I'm a guy. I'm I'm not taking that as just the way it is. I put myself out there to to share that. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy to be here for sure. Yeah. So my connection to North Preston dates back hundreds. I think even 400 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they say we've been here, I kind of live and breathe that. Right. So my mom. Her parents are from North Preston. Their parents are from... I actually just had a conversation with my grandmother the other day, just trying to track back as far as possible. So one of my goals right now for 2021-2022 is to create a ginormous um, North Preston family tree mm-hmm. to go nice. back as far as we can go. And, you know, we all know we connect and we have yeah. family reunions and all that. Right. But I want to see how far we actually go. Who's the first person we can name? Uh-huh. And let's connect every every person be on, on, underneath that. Because I think, one, the pride that'll create... Um, and just to, to really know. So to, to answer the question, you know, North Preston for for generations, um, you know, as far as I know right now, it's about six or seven generations that I've been, that my family's been there. Uh-huh. You have the same questions that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. As a black community, we don't talk about these sure things. Sure, I don't. And so, you know, if we can help along that line and help you bridge that family tree mm-hmm. there, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that that's a win to us. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's huge. And I think, you know, I actually had a convo with my grandmother and she mentioned that her dad had three brothers, and one of the brothers actually went to Bermuda, I believe. Bermuda or, <laughs> right, so Bermuda, and it's a whole Grant family uh, down, either Bermuda or Bahamas. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's Bermuda. It's a whole Grant family down there, and, you know, that's that's crazy to me, right? One of my great aunts, she lived to be 102 years old. Really? I had a conversation with her when she was like 99, could still function, could still talk, could still dance. And that same thing, you know, I had a great, I was always interested and curious. So, you know, she used to tell us about how they would, you know, take the, the cows and the cows would take them into town on the on the horse and buggies yeah. and just all the stories, you know, that are just like, wow, people really lived like that. And uh-huh. you you saw that, right? So, you know, they had stories about how in North Preston, when it used to snow, we didn't obviously didn't have snow plow. So a group of 40 men would get together and just shovel the road so we could get to and from town, right? And, you know, the, 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 the water used to freeze over, so we'd play hockey on the ice, but also people would put their uh, cars, whatever they, right. whatever they were, and carry their carts around 
because there's a little shortcut. So all these just real creative stories of entrepreneurship and creativity and community togetherness because we were on our own. That's and that's uh-huh. where the, where the entrepreneurship comes from. Yep. For us, it was necessity. You know, we weren't entrepreneurs because like, oh, let's start a business. Like, well, I'm not getting a job. <laughs> I gotta eat. What the heck do we do? And so yeah, those those stories are important to not only hear but to document and. And, and, and these are the, the spaces and the ways to do it. Absolutely. So that's a perfect segue into like our next, you know, question. Yeah. Uh, and that's around like your experience growing up in North Preston. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Like mm-hmm. talk a little more about like mm-hmm. what that was like. It's a beautiful place, man. I say all the time there's no place like North Preston for childhood, for kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, obviously it's the only place I grew up in. But still, you know, I've been a lot of places, played basketball in the States, West Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, played basketball in Greece and Spain, Italy, been around the world um, because of the game of basketball, but still never found a place like North Preston. So, you know, when I think of my childhood, you know, I remember at age four or five, that's when you're kind of finally allowed to go out on your own. Yeah. Right. At four, you just got to stay in your yard. As soon as you hit five, that's like the passage away that you can go up the road and right. and do the most. Right. So, you know, I was finally able to go outside and I had a bike and, you know, basically every day, summertime, we would just cruise around our bikes. We would look at every house to see where all the bikes are parked. And that means that's where everyone's at. So once you, you found the house, you go in, boom, now we're all together. It's 10 of us. And we're just running around all day from 12 o'clock to the street lights come on eight o'clock. We have no game plan. Yeah, someone, someone, we're going to eat at someone else's <laughs> house. You know, I know every person's, I know every house. So if there's 300 houses in North Preston, I know every person. I know every grandmother that lives. I know everyone's name. That's how connected the community is. And just really a, a real connected place. You could be disciplined by anyone's mom. You, I, like I said, anyone would, if I was hungry, anyone would let me in and feed me. Uh, I could use the bathroom at anyone's house, just knock on the door and go in. So, you know, like I said, just a real, a real connected community. I've always uh-huh. told the story of I had about 12 mothers growing up, uh-huh. um, just my friends' moms, just, you know, aunts, everyone just really, the community raises you, yes. right? So, so that was my experience within North Preston and just the, a, a ton of love, a ton of fun and a place that you just come to and have no worries, right? Really. We talked about this briefly, but North Preston has one of the oldest and largest black communities in Canada. Yep. Given this rich history in this community Mm -hmm. that we just discussed, can you describe how the community's changed over time? There's definitely been a lot of changes and, you know, it's something that we're still trying to figure out the whys and the causes. But I think over time that, that connectiveness has doesn't exist the way it did. You know, you don't see as many kids outside. You don't see, um, you know, no, with anyone, right? No, no, yeah. no. Um, and, you know, I think t- t- it's a lot of factors, but if I can try to touch on some, you know, I would say, one, the church was always a pillar in the community, mm-hmm. right? So every Sunday, the church would be packed with everybody. And we're here gathering. Our parents are gathering. We're, we're praising together. We're, we're believing in something together. We had a place to come and, and commune and, and unite and, and eat and, and do everything together. You know, that the church is huge. Um, and over years, I think there's many factors of, of why the church might have declined, but the church started to decline. You know, the numbers started to get lesser. But another part of it that I really see is there's always been a little bit of a rival. Um, we, got, we got about four main places in North Preston. Yeah. Up the road. Down the road, down the street, down the hill. Yes. Right? That's, that, yep. that's, that's what we call it. And then up the grants. That's like a, a subsection in the subdivision. But so anyway, you know, down the road. Can, and can up, you just repeat that? Up yeah, the road. Up the road, 
down, down the road, road, down the street, down the street, down the hill, down the hill, up to Grants, up to Grants, and then the subdivision is newer. Okay, right? where does Downey Downey Road fit? Downey Road is down the road. Oh, right? down the road. Down the okay. road. That makes sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So you know it, that's that's the North Preston terminology. You yeah. come there. Where you at? Oh, I'm just up the road. Yeah. Yeah. You you where you guys are going tonight? Yeah, we're going down the road. <laughs> like any anywhere you go, you know, there's always going to be division amongst people and communities. Um, but I think you know the division that that we start to see specifically with down the road and up the road, um, has been a, is a, a, a real rival of, you know, it started with basketball, you know, mm. it would be up the road versus down the road and we're playing our heart out. And I think it traces back really, um, down the road, um, you know, the, the, the people down the road, however I can word this, are usually darker toned skinned, right? Mm. The people up the road are usually fairer skinned. So my assumption is when we first migrated, Mm-hmm. Um, to this place, There's, so you know they have maroons and different things. And my yes. my assumption is, the maroons or whoever the the, the other group or, were yeah. went down the road, and then this uh-huh. other group of loyalists came up the road. So there was probably always a division, and and for as long as I have lived, and my grandmother they, they tell us about their division as well. So that's my assumption that division existed for that reason. Uh, people would say certain things about people from down the road. They're from down the road. Of course they did that. Or, oh, no, what you doing hanging down the road? And, and same with them, up the road. Like, you know, there would be kids that they only hang down the road, and if one of their friends went up the road, they'd be like, they would disown them. Like, oh, you what the up the road kids. So long story short, that's a ton of factors that go into this. Yeah. yeah. And these are the kind of things that sometimes can be impressionable yeah. on youth, For right? Sure. Unless they don't have the education and access to know better not to do these things right mm-hmm. yeah and, and if i could just add quickly there you know you hit on the head education i think that's something i definitely want to touch on as well but yep. you know our lack of education and in, in our the failing of the education system in our community that leaves our youth to feel like they have no other option when did you realize that education was the key for yourself mm-hmm. to make these changes and then all and and kind of lead you down this path like Mm -hmm. i mean obviously basketball was very important yeah but that education came with it as well too and we've all been through that path and we know that but what separated you Mm -hmm. i mean i would say you know to start i think i was definitely a little more gifted than than the average uh kid so from four plus you know i just had a passion for school and right i had a competitiveness about me so if, if we're in class well the teacher's asking, how do you spell the? I'm going to be the first one to spell the. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And if I don't know how to spell it and someone beat me, I'm going to go home and practice it. Right. So that competitiveness kind of started me out. And then, you know, I always was getting A's and early on, I really, that drove me to show my parents and show my uncles and get $20 for getting an A. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, my mom, she, she had some education. So that helped. So she understood the importance. So she pushed me. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember one year, I think grade four, I got a C or at C in French, and I got all other A's, so, and then I bring my report card home. This is like my first C ever. I'm ready to be like, I got my report card again. She's like, well, what's that C you built? I'm like, what? Like, what? Look at everything else. She's like, well, what's the C? Why was you, why'd you get a C? And the teacher said, like, you know, Navelle wasn't paying attention and goofing off and that type of thing. And I'm like, well, every other kid in the class got a D. Why do you care about my C? She's like, well, you know, one, we're not competing with anyone else's. Was this the best you could do? So she was like real mad at me, and I was like, "What the heck?" I went in my room, cried, and I'm like, "Why?" She, I hate it here. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna beat up everybody, or you know, how kids do it. So, but I really took it to heart that she was so angry. But you know, the next year I came and I was ready. I was locked in. I was ready to compete, right? So a lot of those little things with, with my mom, she really played a major role 
and, you know, making me value education before I even knew what was happening. And then from there, you know, basketball came into my life. So at age 13, grade 8, um, right in a real transitional phase for me, you know, a lot of my buddies were getting involved in other things. Mm-hmm. They, right. they got brand new shoes. How are you guys getting brand new shoes? Well, we're selling weed. Well, I got to find some weed to sell. Yeah. But right at that age, I was my basketball career was taking off, so I went to Toronto. I left nice. where I was at, went to Toronto for grade nine. But now it's I'm just trying to go to the NBA, so I don't really have time to be distracted. But that was the difference for me. One, my competitiveness and my giftedness in, in education. Mm-hmm. Two, the importance of my mother and my whole family kind of put on education that instilled in me. And then three, basketball kind of got me away when I was getting into those impressionable years. Yeah. And then, you know, she challenged me to go to French immersion. I'm like, man, I want to go in there with all those white kids. Yeah. I was the only black kid in there. And I'm in this class with all white kids. But the level, the challenge was, was real. So Absolutely. I was challenged to learn everything in French. You know, and when I think about it now, it's, it's crazy. But I had to immerse myself in French and really challenge myself. And that just paid dividends. And I get to grade nine, it's similar. Well, she now she wants me to get a 4.0, yeah. right? And she wants me to, Keep that bar, you know what I'm right? saying? I'm getting yeah. recruited for basketball. Well, let's get recruited by Harvard, right? And yeah. I, I actually got some calls from Harvard and Princeton and, you know, some it's offers Ivy. to go to their schools. I wow. didn't end up going to Ivy League. I went to the Patriot League. But yeah. throughout my career, you know, my mom was, was always challenging me academically and always, you know, just made sure I... And I rose to that occasion as a competitor, as a, a guy that always wanted to show myself as being the best. Um, she she challenged me the right way with that. Absolutely. So one of the other things that we uh, you know like to explore mm-hmm. uh, is the the situation like regarding land. Mm-hmm. Now there's like a historic battle in North Preston, mm-hmm. you know, for land yep. rights, ownership, yep. uh, usage. Yes. Uh, can you tell me if this impacted your family in any way? I just actually had this conversation a day ago, and my my family was meeting today to actually discuss our land and our plans with our land, our uh-huh. 50-year plan with our land. I, William Beals, I, I might have said his name wrong, had a son, Lester Beals. Lester Beals is my grandfather, so William Beals is my great-grandfather. Right. Uh, he also had other sons, right? So William Beals, he dies, but the land gets left to his wife. So now his wife dies, and but they didn't have any titles or, you know how that goes, yep. um, or, or, or half titles, but they also didn't have a will. So now Lester comes into the equation, but he has three or four brothers. Lester's mom left the land to Lester. I believe he was the oldest or whatever. She left it to him. Lester now dies, and he leaves the land to his wife, my grandmother, Peggy Beals. So now the... Other brothers, their kids, if you're still staying with me, yeah. Yeah. the other brothers, their kids, well, they're like, well, well, this was our father's land. This was our grandfather's land. So why do you get the land? And Peggy, so think about this. Peggy, she was married into the family. Right. Right. So she's not the actual brother. So there's still other brothers living. That should have that, that, that should. But Lester left it to his wife. So it was a big dispute, big fight, a lot of years of lawyers, a lot of years of Conflict amongst our family where, you know, we, they would barely speak to us and, and creating all those. Creating more division. Creating more division. So finally, maybe about five or six years ago, we finally got the land all figured out now. So now the game plan, now what, what my family is, my grandmother, my mom, me and my brothers, we're just really trying to create a clear game plan so to avoid this. Yes. Right? What's the plan? And, you know, we, we say, oh, yeah, no, we're tight. We never, it never happened. But 
when money gets involved and plans get involved, a lot of things change. So we want to be as clear as possible with what we're trying to do. So anyway, it's seven acres of land. It's lakefront. It's right on the lake. Yeah. So that's a lot of what my conversation with the lake is. Yes. From there, we're going to decide. We'll get a surveyor surveyor to come in. Let's yeah. let's create a plan. You know, I, yeah. I see a building back there. Uh-huh. I see a little cul-de-sac. I see my house back there on the water. Um, but first, we want to clear that land and, and create a game plan to utilize that land and, and have that land passed on to right. my kids and their kids and their kids, right? So it's generational wealth. Exactly. That's that's and, what we're talking about here. And a lot of the, the communities yeah. that have been here and yeah. gone have lost that battle yeah. to own that right to yes. have that generational wealth mm-hmm. to build something mm-hmm. for legacy. So let's talk about that article. Mm-hmm. What prompted you to write that piece? So, you know, like I might have said in the article, and if I just kind of walk you through the timeline, the story, through one of my other entrepreneurial endeavors, I went to go buy a jet ski. I seen that they were sold out till 2023, right, because of parts and COVID and all that stuff. I'm like, that's crazy. Let me go see if there's anywhere to rent them. And the only place is the Harbor Watercraft. That's mm-hmm. my buddy. But you can't rent it to take it to your own lake or anything. I didn't see that existing. And the guy that I was talking to, he's like, everyone's asking for jet skis right now. So my entrepreneurial mind clicks there. Well, there's demand and there's no supply. <laughs> let's, let's figure something out here. So long story short, I create a quick Facebook fake ad saying I've got jet skis for rent. Holla at me, $200 a day. Creative. I wanted to see if it's real. So I kid you not, I got 200 messages in a day of people saying, hey, where is this? Can I rent it? Can I get it tomorrow? Case closed. I, I closed the app down. I went off Kijiji looking to buy some used jet skis. I found two in Toronto, $10,000 bought them, brought them back. So throughout the summer, we ended up buying two more once we kind of got going. And after spending so much time on the lake, like I said, I was out in Enfield and Lake Echo and Porter's Lake. All these lakes are beautiful and it's mm-hmm. a great time. And I'm saying, how the hell have we been on the lake in all these years? Like, this is what people do. Oh, yeah, we're heading to the lake this weekend. But, but black people, we don't do that. And while I'm out there on the lake, well, obviously, people are surprised. Well, there's black guys and they got jet skis, and you know we're coming with loud music, and I'm just on the lake being black. You made him feel a little awkward. <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. a little awkward. And I, w- I wouldn't even call it racism or nothing. They're not like saying get off the lake, but through systemic racism and all those things, it's a little bit of a micro racism going on there. Absolutely. Well, right? you're out of place. Exactly. Yeah. So this is their territory, exactly. And you're coming into their territory. Exactly. So long story short, you know, I'm like, well, man. We have our own lake there, and we, we would use it. We used to swim and do different stuff, but, but why aren't we out, out there? So one day we we got out there. <laughs> and while we're out there, man, like I kid you not, it was one of the best days ever just to – we've seen different parts of the lake and yes. so many ideas. Man, we can put a host there, and it could be a lake cabin there, an Airbnb here, and you could see the community from a different perspective that you've never seen. And it's like, man, this lake is really beautiful. This is better than some of the lakes we've been on. So while we're doing that, a cop car comes by, and we're like, oh, what now? Well, we know something's happening. So she comes, like, yeah, we got a call, and you guys aren't supposed to be out here. I'm like, well, well why not? What's the problem? She didn't know the full answer other than someone told her we're not supposed to be. So she goes, there's a sign up. It says no boating and whatever, and, but she, it's not really clear on what's happening. She yeah. doesn't know if we're really allowed or not allowed. So she kind of just lets it be, and I... People guess you're in North Preston. She's been there before. She's used to dealing with 
maybe people that don't know how to speak for themselves. Yep. I'm like, right. well, I'm, well, call your superior. You questioned her. Question her and, and, and call, who do, who call the, the Halifax water and let's figure out why we're not allowed and get the actual ruling here. So yeah. when she starts hearing those words, she just... Uh, she didn't have that in in her day plan, All right? So she, she backed expected off. No, she expected no resistance. Exactly. She decided to get off the water exactly. and, and let's yeah, go because yeah. we're, we're afraid of what she might do. So yeah. anyway, once that happened, I want to really figure out: Are we allowed or are we not? So I started to make some calls. Um, I called HR Halifax Water, spoke to about four different people. No one had a clear answer, but they were going to put me in touch with the manager who wasn't there. He was on vacation or something, so I had to wait like three weeks for him to get back. So did you use the lake in this in this? Oh, way? for sure, hundred okay, percent. Yeah, good, like good. We're, the the mind frame we're in right now is you're gonna have to put us off. So yeah, you know, I finished that story. You know, got in touch with him. Uh, he was a cool guy. He showed that he cared, and that he's actually been kind of thinking about this and understanding that it's not right because maybe five minutes down the road, Lake Major, which is actually the water supply, mm-hmm. they have access to their water. They can swim. They can kayak. They can boat. They can do it all, right? So why does that exist, right? And the reason why it exists, so they say, is because a North Preston committee member um, that's on the committee voted for North Preston to be fully protected. We don't want to use our water at all, Ah. which is insane. First of all, how did you make that decision? And and this one person— When did you make that decision? When did you make that decision? (laughs) How did you make that decision? Who did you consult with? And this one person that is the board member— he represents North Preston on the house. He represents the the housing. He represents North Preston with the ratepayers. Uh, so his days are, are numbered in representing North Preston. I uh, just wrote the article to to understand why and, and through after talking to him. Well, one, I want to go further. I want to push the envelope. I wanted city councilmen and all these other people to read it. So I put it on LinkedIn and got ten thousand views, and a lot of them did read it. And I also wanted the community to see it and understand. Well, we should be on this lake, and everyone else has access. Like, and here's actually the unjust and unfairness happening. So, the word it did what it was supposed to do, and, and some it reached a lot of people. A lot of people got perspective. So now my next step is to create a committee to now let's go attack this. Right, some community members, some mariners, some people that actually know. Right. So a couple of Dalhousie students reached out to me and different stuff. So create a committee. Let's attack by next summer. Let's have access to this lake, and let's. I talked to people from ACOA. There's grants to $50,000 to build decks and bathrooms and make the lake really accessible. So that's a game plan. Let's turn the lake into a real lake. We've already did our own thing. We put a deck up, and the kids are out there enjoying themselves. That's great. And now we'll make it official for whatever reason. And now let's build houses on the lake, and let's take this. First of all, we're going to change the name to North Preston Lake, not Lake. I don't know who— Long. Long Lake is. We're going to call it North Preston Lake, and we'll go from there. So there was part of that article, too, about uh, there was a bursary, right? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. and that's yeah. I found that interesting. Yeah. Back on to the educational mm-hmm. side of things. Do you mm-hmm. want to explain a little bit about that bursary? Yeah. So Arnold D. Johnson is a North Preston legend. He represented Canada in the Army. He won medals and a community advocate, worked for the, the water. So he has a lot of different honoraries. He has a field. A lot of honorary things in his name. There's also a scholarship that exists. It right. has existed since 2009, I believe. Okay. So about 12 years. It's, I think, about five grand a year. So it pays for your tuition at NSCC to enter into the marine engineering program or marine biology or marine engineering. Mm-hmm. So anyway, here's this great opportunity that exists. The problem is, in the 12 or 10 years that it existed, only one applicant uh-huh. applied and only one app, that one applicant received it. So there's been a 
scholarship that's existed for 12 years that no one knew about. No one, I asked people, no one knew about it, and only one guy received it. That's a huge issue, especially for a community that's lacking in resources. So I had to put that part in the article and, and spread that words. Yeah. And well, it's relevant, especially if you're talking about access to the water exactly. and land, exactly. right? And these are careers that, uh, I'm sorry, African Nova Scotians wouldn't be employed in. No. So we need to look Ever. at increasing the representation in those yeah. specific fields. Yeah. Big time, man. big time, man. I would say, you know, one, just meeting so many different people, mm-hmm. getting so many different experiences, seeing so many different places. It actually put more value on my community because mm-hmm. through going these places, I see that nothing really exists like this. You know, mm-hmm. nowhere in any community have I ever been does everyone in the community know each other and does everyone in the community go to the same weddings and the yeah. same funerals and the same parties and, and party till 6 a.m. And, you know, like that doesn't exist in, in nowhere that I've seen mm-hmm. yet. So, you know, a, a ton of value on that. And it also shows us kind of how far we're behind uh-huh. in, in sense of, like you said, the access and the understanding of what's happening in the world. I would say 5% of people, man, I might say 2% of people in North Preston know that Volta exists and knows what Volta does. Volta started uh, the tech hub, <laughs> the, the eh? tech hub, where yeah. you can come to literally create a tech business and they'll help you make that a million dollar business, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But uh-huh. we don't know that. You know, We don't know that at a place like that even exists where there's, I would say 1% might know that Amazon's coming here in a couple months to Burnside. Yep. And we're going to have one-day deliveries and we're yep. going to see a bunch of Amazon the trucks. Huge distribution centers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's going to employ 400 people. So, yep. you know, that it's a big gap of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I've kind of considered myself as a bridge. You know, your community, the significance yep. of North Preston's, what message do you have for those future generations that are growing up? And in an ideal world, mm-hmm. what could you do to make that community move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... And not that it's not moving forward. No, no, I should sure. clarify, but what 100%. could you do to help propel it into kind of that next level? Yeah. And, and that's kind of my mission now. That's what I wake up for every day. And that's what I f- would like to think that I, I, I'm doing. And, and I wouldn't say what I, that's what I am doing. Yeah. Maybe slowly or whatever. But ultimately, that's why I've kind of jumped into the world of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Since starting all these different businesses, we've probably employed over 40 people. 38 of them have been from North Preston. 25 of them have been under the age of 19. 20 of them, this is their first job. So you're giving right? that so, exposure right you know, away. Yeah. Right away, exposure to a job, to you know, Walmart might have said no or whatever. Um, so here, come, come work with us. But not only that, you're seeing a black business. You're seeing a young black man that looks like you running a business and, and succeeding at it relatively. So, you know, when I see that, and then, you know, I, I have conversations with a group of four of the, the youth that work with us. They want to start their own lawn mowing business. And they called me. They said, hey, man, we're trying to start this business up. Can you help us? Right? So 100%, that was a direct result of them being in our space and, and, and working and, you know, seeing entrepreneurship as their own. That entrepreneurial right. mindset. Yeah. From, from, you know, in the last three years, I would say since we've been our conception, Everywhere I go, people just ask me, man, how's the, how's the business? How's the kitchen? Like, that's all people want to talk to me about is is the business, right? Which which is cool. You know, I've, we branded it. And, you know, we've probably become the most branded and the most recognized black business. I'd probably say in definitely in HRM, maybe in Nova Scotia. I, um, I, I think that's fair, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but I'd say, like, also, too, it's like there's a lot of black businesses. For sure, 100%. Uh, but not many indigenous, like, yeah. black businesses. Yeah, that's so, true. 
you know, businesses from the people exactly. that have been here for generations. Exactly. And, and that's a good point. I think that's why it kind of shines a bit more. Yeah. People own it. Like people, yeah. they're proud and they, you know, really want to represent this. Um, so, you know, because of that, there's been a lot of others. So there's like 15 people cooking food now. And people will message me like, man, you see these people cooking, like trying to, I'm like, I'm happy for that. Absolutely. You know, let's, the more, the, come on, let's Absolutely. go. Yeah. I guess there is like one last thing we want to just yep. explore. Yep. Given the fact that North Preston is one of the oldest and mm-hmm. largest uh, black settlements, yep. where do you see like the population? Mm-hmm. What's the future? Like mm-hmm. people are leaving. Mm-hmm. Good question, man. Do, are people going to like continue to understand yeah. the history yeah. and the significance of the community? Yeah. It's something we're battling. I think our population is, I mean, I would like to see a census, but it probably has de- decreased. And it's decreased because we're being dispersed. One, we don't have, there's no more housing happening or living. Um, so, so what do you mean? So no, we, we have housing, sorry, but there's no new houses getting built. Uh, right? We probably get one new house a, a year, but our population is growing. So we have, you know, you know, a guy like me, I live on Barrington Street. Okay. Down the street, just about 10 minutes from here. I, I don't have a place to live in North Preston. My family lives there. A lot of people are leaving to go to Toronto. A ton. Right. And so, you know, we, we have that part of people going to Toronto for opportunities, Calgary for opportunities, Halifax, Dartmouth for living, right? A lot of that stuff. Um, so, you know, a lot of our young people don't actually live in the community, but we still represent the community. We still come to the community. We're still a part of the community, but we're outside the community. I, I still voted in North Preston. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, a lot of people fit into that category. But what I would say in, in the same breath um, – Due to COVID and due to this new world when unbelievable housing prices and, mm-hmm. you know, rent issues, we're seeing a lot of people come back from Toronto's, from Calgary's, from Halifax, from Dartmouth, back and living with their mom or whatever the case is. So now when we talk about that land, the meeting I was having with my family today is we want to put a building on our land, uh, you know, 25 unit building, um, affordable housing. And, and how do we get more people it's, it's one, it's good ac- economically, and there's a ton of people that are willing to pay and live there. We know that. Yeah. Like you said, it might not be attractive to them, but I know how attractive let's it see, is. Exactly. Right? So let's build it, and let's create a plan where it's affordable, and you can rent to own, and we create homeowners and all these pieces. But that's that's the piece, you know. I'm understanding, well, no one else is going to develop in North no. Preston, no. and that's my mission. Thanks for listening to the Loyalist Connections podcast. This episode was produced by your hosts, myself, Luis Gabriel Downey, and Sean Smith, with support from Podstarter. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Grace McNutt, who patiently endured our stressful antics and helped us find our voices through this journey. Special thanks for the support from Community Partners, the Black Cultural Center, and the Black Loyalist Heritage Center and Society. Please visit these historical museums for more information on the community and so much more. We can't forget to thank our special guests for their time and sharing their community connections and shedding light on this vital element of our history of the initial settlers. Your lived experience and contributions to the history of North Preston is helping build a better picture of what life is like for our ancestors and fill gaps in our understanding of the lasting legacy of African Nova Scotian and more broadly, Canadian history. Novell Provo's contributions to our history will be forever documented for generations to come as we continue on our journey of building a digital heritage repository of our collective history. Until the next episode, listen like, follow, and share Loyalist Connection podcast and all your favorite platforms 
and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Loyalist Connections Podcast. And for exclusive content, including access to unedited episodes, join the Loyalist Connections community on Patreon.com. Until the next episode, stay connected.